Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Armando, and along with my good friends Reese and Kyle, we will be reacting to the 32-29 Chiefs win against the New Orleans Saints. The game that was hyped up to be the Super Bowl preview and the bat game. Which puts us at 12-1 and 11-0 and on the road. The Chiefs have won 22 of their last 23 games. The Chiefs have now faced a top 5 defense on 9 occasions with Patrick Mahomes as their starter. In those games, we are 9-0, and averaging 29 points per game. Boys, what happened to this Super Bowl preview? It's Patrick's world. We're just living in it. I know I've said that before, but I stand by it. I kind of I kind of agree with Kyle. It's like what what do you do at this point? He dropped, you know, more than 25 points on that Niners defense in the Super Bowl, which I still think is probably the best defense he's played while at Kansas City. Uh, you know, he dropped about 25 points when he played the Raiders or uh, sorry, the Ravens in his not rookie rookie year. You know, we went to overtime and beat him. You can't you can't stop them. The, the Raiders this year in the first game was the only formula you can do to beat Pat. You have to find a way to score more than 35 points against the dude. We have talked about this all season. Um, the fact that this year in particular, we've been playing all these close games, right? And we can kind of debate and we'll get into that today about why that is and, you know, sort of what, um, why, why Kansas City seems to play with our heart every weekend. But at the end of the day, what you just said you know, we've won 22 of 23. It's hard to argue with that. Yeah, I, I, I think we've lost one game in the calendar year or like in 365 days or something, which is pretty ridiculous. Also, to jump into this game, uh, Jeff Duncan, who runs the, uh, I guess, who's the, the Saints beat reporter, or he just covers the Saints. He said this was the most dominating three-point win in NFL history, <laughs> which is so true. I mean, if you didn't watch the game out there and you guys just looked at the highlights, you would think this was a very close game and i feel like i say this all the time like we said this for the bucks game we said this for the panthers game like these are weirdly dominating games that i have no anxiety or panic meter about when they get close and so does the other opponent like jeff duncan covers the saints and he was like this was a blowout so really strange game let's break it up first we want to highlight what the Saints dubbed this game as. So going back to Jeff Duncan, he said, I think it was, yep, five minutes before the game, he says, the Saints designated today's Chiefs game a quote-unquote bat game, meaning the players are being challenged to bring the wood. Saints want to turn this game into a street fight. Let's... Let's break that down. First of all, who calls it a bat game? I've never heard that at all. Like, I even like, looked on Urban Dictionary. What is a bat game? Like, there has to be better terms for a bat game. Come on, Sean Payton. Like, know your lingo. All right, so break this down. What the, what the hell is a bat game? Let's move beyond the linguistics here and just talk about the fact that this is the team that got hit for Bounty Gate. Like, how, like, on the Mount Rushmore of bad looks, like, I mean, I, I, I just don't even know where to start with this. 
Uh, I, I don't know, Kyle. Uh, a bat <laughs> game just sounds like a bounty game with extra steps. I'm just curious about how the term came about and how Jeff Duncan like found out about it. Like, like did, did did like Jeff Duncan come up to the Saints like reporters was like, hey, so what do you guys feel about this game? It's gonna be a bat game. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> do you, are you sure you want me to write that down in Twitter? Twitter? Yeah, it's gonna be a bat game. Like, what the hell? That sounds, I mean, it, it really just sounds like an armchair quarterback. Like, I wonder if you were going to, like, actually go talk to the Saints players, if any of them would actually say that. Uh, who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it was worse than bad game. But, yeah, what, you're right, Kyle. What an awful look after being disciplined for something very similar, a.k.a. Bounty Gate. You then nicknamed this game Batgate in order to physically hurt our players and our players did get physically hurt during this game and more so one of their players got ejected which we'll talk about but yeah what a what a bonehead move to label it and then to let that leak to the media i hope that there is disciplinary action i don't think there will be for it but i think goodell should keep an eye on the saints going forward even more than they already are i might even flip that a little bit and say that a lot of this is probably just uh, kind of media sound and fury, right? Because, like, the Chiefs and the Saints don't particularly have a ton of bad blood. And, like, lots of these guys in the league have personal relationships with each other, right? Like, a lot of them are friends. Obviously, a lot of them are not. But, you know, this feels like something that, again, was just probably blown up in the Twitterverse. And that's why we're talking about it. Well, I don't know. If I can jump in on this here, there were a lot of things that happened in this game that weren't just like, hey, let's go out and be physical with them. There were a lot of things in this game that were like, hey, let's go out and hurt them because if we play them in the Super Bowl, we know we can't beat them. Let me start with number one, McCole Hardman getting teed off on late in the first half. That obvious hit on a defenseless receiver that I, I think I mentioned earlier, like it wasn't just like, I'm hitting him to draw out the ball. I'm not making a play on the ball. It was, I'm teeing off on a guy who's coming down with his arms in the air and can't defend himself. Subsequently, when we had to return that punt one drive later, who was back there to return our punt? Was it McCole Hardman? No, he was still injured on the bench. So who caught it? Robinson did that stupid stupid lateral run and fumbled through the back of the end zone so if we're going to talk about you know like it's not a big deal if they kind of play us rough it's like no that's exactly what happens when you play to injure stuff like that happens that wouldn't happen normally yeah that's that's a good point Reese I think there was a lot of a lot of things that weren't called which was very unfortunate there was also that hit on Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter that looked brutal with Hendrickson and I forgot who the other guy was but he got sandwiched and I was like that looked bad because he got hit let's see so Patrick Mahomes got sacked four times but he also got pressured I think he got pressured more time than David Bowie and Freddie Mercury say under pressure in the song under pressure like it was that bad (laughs) What's the Vegas odds on a push for that if we didn't listen to it right now? He got he he got pressured 11 times. So yeah, let me let, I'm not going to look up how much he says under pressure, but it's probably very close. Yeah, he got pressured 11 times and he got hit a ton of times. So 
there was a lot of bad blood there. I think they were trying to make this a a a rivalry because this is a Super Bowl preview, and they're like, well, we're just as good as the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't think so. You guys brought the heat. You guys brought the blood, and we brought the touchdowns. How dare you guys try to make this into a rivalry? We'll see you in five years when Taysom Hill learns how to throw. All right, going back to what uh, to the bat game. Wow, no, not, just just <laughs> wrapping it up there. Okay. I mean, we're going to still talk about it, but I want to talk about Reese's favorite player, Cam Jordan. So in the previous podcast, we were talking about the Saints preview, and Reese goes, name one defensive lineman on the Saints. I don't know any of them. And I'm like, Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan's a Pro Bowl or just got elected, by the way, to the 2020 Pro Bowl. And boy, what what a first date Reese had with Cam Jordan this game. Reese, tell me your reaction of that, of the street fight punch. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Is, is Cam Jordan that defensive lineman who got so frustrated that he couldn't beat our third string right tackle that he punched him in the face? That elite defensive lineman, Cam Jordan? Reese, are you eating a magic brownie at 8 o'clock in the morning? No, it's a biscotti, and it's the only thing I'm going to have a chance to eat before, like, my, my lunch break. Aww. So I'm running on beans and biscotti, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be great. Anyway... So, I mean, I, I thought the guy, you know, I, I thought that entire defensive line did a great job against our, you know, second string offensive line. You know, I, I'm very proud of them. They had Patrick Mahomes running for his life most of the game. But uh, honestly, if he hadn't, you know, gotten ejected, I still wouldn't know his name. And to this day, I still can't name you one other person on that Saints line. Yeah, I'll name another person. How about the freaking Hendrickson guy? That dude has the most sex in the NFL. Also, okay, wait, wait, Reese. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you this before I, before I talk about it. So you, so you stand by that you don't think that that Saints defense is elite. Um, I mean, this year, elite meaning top five. Elite oh, meaning top five. Oh, uh, just like top five in any given year? No, no, top five, twenty twenty. It yeah. are is that Saints team elite? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's easily a top five defense in the league this year. You know, uh, they you you could see it in the details that you you often don't see in our defense. Mainly that they rarely blew assignments. They were very disciplined. They swarmed the guy who had the ball. I think there were three or four times that we got mad that players were dropping catches, but in reality, it's like, yo, dog, that guy just like made the extra play and was able to swat the ball out. You know, there's not much more we can do on that. Time and again, the Saints defense, without necessarily looking like world beating, but like Reese said, they were consistent enough to give the Saints a chance. And so. Yes, it's true, Duncan's comment that it was a dominant three-point win, but it's also true that technically their defense kept them in the game. Yeah, I was I was ready to go on a full-on debate about the uh, Saints defense being elite because I thought, Reese, I, I at least thought you were going to say that Saints defense wasn't elite because you didn't know who the front four was. So I had all these stats ready, but okay, we all agree they're a very good defense, which makes this win even better. Like you said, we had Wiley in there and Wiley was playing a new position and was playing Cam Jordan, who, like I said, pro bowler last year, pro bowler this year as of... Uh, last night when they named the pro bowlers um so after the chiefs game they they are still considered elite they have the fifth best pass defense the fourth best rush defense and the and the best defense in allowing rushing touchdowns and this is after the game when mahomes lit them up so i don't know what it was beforehand i didn't do my research but they they were probably top four top three in both of those categories so having both of those things happen 
and for us to win the way that we did, right? I'm going to amend what I said. I think it was two weeks ago. I said, how, how, how do you beat the Chiefs? It's when you have a rushing front four and then you have everyone play back. Well, now I'm going to amend that to how do you stand a chance with the Chiefs? Because I don't think you can beat the Chiefs anymore. We just faced probably the best front four we've ever faced with our second string offensive lineman who's playing in a different position, who's playing a pro bowler. So it's amazing how Patrick Mahomes can roll out. I mean, we saw that touchdown with, with McCall Hardman. He throw, he threw with like the opposite side of his, uh, of his body. I mean, it was just amazing. And he does it every single game there. Th- there is no way to beat us. There is no way to beat us anymore. There is only a way to stand a chance and to stay in the game. You know, it's uh, if you want to look at the game script on this the way you said, let's let's tick off the boxes that you know we've we've discussed constitute the winning script against the Chiefs. Rushed great with only front four, check. Got big plays, check. Now, what did they forget in the middle of all that? Ball control, sustained drives, and moving the clock. A stat that really jumped out to me when I was looking at the box score: we had not one. But two rushers outrush Alvin Kamara in this game. Insane. Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Le'Veon Bell, both with more rush yards than Alvin Kamara. And that's going to kill you if you're supposed to have this wonderful top five rushing defense. We are not a great rushing team. We have seen it in sparks throughout the season, but by and large, we're very inconsistent. Yeah, I, I had mentioned in that first quarter in our text chain, when I saw that they were playing everybody back in just the front four, I was like... Patrick Mahomes is going to go off today on his own rushing. He's probably going to do this five times. He ends up rushing seven times for, let's see how many yards. I forgot again, 37 yards, like five, five and a half yards per carry. Patrick Mahomes, like they they left the box open the entire time. Like, of course, you know that we're going to run you. And, and, and that's how they wanted us to, to play them. They wanted us to run, run, run. But not only did we run, we also like had a great receiving game too with Kelsey Watkins, Hill, Robinson sucked. Everyone else did great, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. You 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 can't beat the Chiefs. This is one of the best rush four. This was the way you were supposed to beat the Chiefs and you couldn't. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about from Patrick Mahomes? Like he did a lot of, you know, the flick to Kelsey, the speed option. I mean, so many cool things. I don't know if you guys want to highlight any of them. I want to make a bold claim. Actually, it's probably not a bold claim at all. You guys can tell me if it's a bold claim. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to make a claim. I'm going to put a question to both of you. I have my answer. Here's my question. What is the threshold for total rushing yards in a game by the whole team? Uh, basically, by the whole team, I mean Edward Zelayer when he comes back from the injury, Le'Veon Bell, and Patrick Mahomes, because those are our three rushers, really. <clears throat> but the the total rushing yards that if we get past a certain number, we never lose just because of who Patrick is and how the team is built and how we're going to get touchdowns in the air every game. So what's that threshold? Oh, man. Are we talking combined rushing yards? Yeah, I think it's I think it's if we rush if we rush 200 plus a game. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, 200 plus is asking a whole lot, though, from our rushing crew. I think if, if we hit 125 rushing yards, 
all things considered. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you there. I I, I think really? it's low. I think it's huh. yeah. I think it's okay. 125 because people assume that we're gonna throw and that they're gonna double cover Kelsey. They're gonna double cover Hill, which we've seen for the past three weeks. Um, if we expose that box and there's no one in the box, they had those linebackers double covering. Uh, then yeah, I think 125, one 150. I think if we split the difference. That should win us the game. I mean, if we and and what's crazy is like we we had that yesterday or whenever the game was, and then we also had red zone touchdowns, which we normally don't have. I think we had four red zone touchdowns this game, which is abnormal, abnormal. And we had it against an elite defense. Another reason why you can't beat the Chiefs. You can't beat them. Amazing. You know, I want to go back to what Kyle said really quick on that magic number. So the two rush games that won us games this year are the Bills and the Saints. And if we're going to the Bills game, they had over 200 yards rushing against the Bills. Against the Saints, a little more than I thought. They had 179 yards rushing. So I want to abridge my number a little bit up to, let's say, buck 60 is the magic number. Buck 60 is the number that if we hit that running, you might as well just run to the tunnel because it's over. Nice. Let's 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 hold by that and let's see. Armando says 125 to 150. Reese, you said 160. I probably went overboard with 200, but I'll stick with it. And we'll see how that goes through the playoffs. We'll see what 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 those numbers mean in terms of how close the game is. You know, knock on wood, we don't drop one and just get bounced. I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah, we'll see. So we have the Metzger metric system for rating beer. Can we call the Chiefs magic number once we find it the negative integer? <laughs> well, considering nobody knows my last name on this podcast, technically, now they do. let's not. Now they do. <laughs> All right. I actually like that. That's pretty funny. But Kyle, to, to, to your point... We always see something weird in the playoff from Andy Reid in a good way, right? We, we There's plays that the, he has a whole playoff book that we haven't seen yet. And I'm sure a part of that playoff book is a more established running game. So I think we could eclipse that 200 in a game because we've seen so much passing this season. I'm sure Andy's going to go the other way and just run it run it run it now hopefully we will have ch back um according to the mri it looks like he had a uh i think they're calling it a sprained ankle which i don't know if that's right they might be sugarcoating it but he he's out for the season high ankle sprain thank you so he's going to be out for the season uh but they're hoping to have him back by the playoffs but they've been pretty quiet about it which is not good um how does that Le'Veon bell uh how does that Le'Veon Bell signing look now, guys? I mean, prayers for Ceh, but boy, what, what a, what a uh, signing that could win us the Super Bowl. I mean, that could literally solidify the Super Bowl. Of course, you all know that I didn't like that signing, but uh, now I'm loving it. Ba da ba ba ba, baby. <laughs> I would simply like to point to Exhibit A here where it says text on September the 13th, release Bell. And then again on October 1st, it says release Le'Veon Bell. Followed by a semi-text two minutes later, release Le'Veon Bell. Now, I am just a simple Kansas City lawyer, but it seems to me that this is perjury of the highest order. Plaintiff Reese coming at you. Uh, so, so, so for those of you, 
<laughs> so so for our fans out there, we have a text chain, and whenever CH had a had a good run, I I put in bold letters on our text chain, release Bell, and that was about like twenty times because he had the game of his life that week. Um, yep, I take all that back. I love Le'Veon Bell. I will get a tramp stamp of Le'Veon Bell at the end of the at the end of the year. Last question before we move on from this. Judging from Pat's goal line antics, like flipping the ball, pitching the ball, how much would you guys pay to see a celebrity three-on-three tournament where every team gets to field uh, like like a three-man basketball team and ours gets to be Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill? Oh, my gosh. Oh. I mean, no one, no one could beat us. No, it'd be amazing. Exactly. Why is there not celebrity basketball for football players? Probably because they like have to sign a contract where they can't play other sports. Never mind. Okay, so top three. Okay, so we have Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill. Now, what if they face MVP race? Aaron Rodgers, DeAndre Hopkins, and Darren Waller. Because I guess they're two. Do two, all three of those guys play on the same team, Armando? Well, no, 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 no. I'm, but, but that's, but that's my point. I'm saying take, take the like best three in their position in the entire NFL, and you still can't beat the people on our team. Is my point. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like even in football, like like take take the like all stars, take the, the take the three all stars, and you still can't beat Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill. Now, speaking about all-stars, let's look at the MVP race. We sh- I should, like, splice in, like, an MVP song in here, which I'll, I'm not going to be able to find. So take that, viewers. All right, so MVP race last week was Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers against the Panthers this week, 145 yards and one touchdown. Patrick Mahomes against the best defense in the NFL, 254 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions with all that pressure and four sacks that were not his fault. Boys, is there any competition, any competition for MVP? Yeah, I'd say there's competition. He's going to go down as possibly the best quarterback of all time. I still think there's an argument to be made um, that the rest of the assets on our team uh, could be the thing that puts Rodgers over the top. Um, but honestly, as we were discussing a couple days ago, that argument is getting a little tired because it just comes down to how people define the MVP race, right? Like, we all have ideas of how maybe it should be defined. I really do feel that it should be the player that is most valuable for their team. But even when you define it like that and see how Rodgers is able to get a good product out of Green Bay every week... Even if you still define the MVP award as that, it's hard to argue that Patrick Mahomes is not just incredibly valuable to our team. So there is competition. Well, I mean, to that point, we saw how valuable Pat is to our team back when we basically had this same team with somebody who was still a top 10 quarterback. And even then, we were fighting for kind of 10 and 6, 11 and 5 type seasons. We had Alex Smith at the helm, and we couldn't get out of the first round of the playoffs. This just shows how viable Pat is because in the two years we've plugged him into this team, he won us a Super Bowl, and he should have won us another Super Bowl. So, I mean, I get that Rodgers is super viable to the Packers because they don't have all the weapons we do, but flipping the script a little bit and I, I know the I'm hearing this talked about a little bit more which is a little encouraging for me is okay so we have this you know great ensemble of skill players Aaron Rodgers has like 
this wall to stand behind and have all day to pass because this this saints game wasn't something exclusive and out of the normal for us it seems every game if they rush five you know pat is running for his life right off the snap even in the, these games where they're rushing four you know i give him a second and a half to two seconds before like the pocket hasn't just collapsed there's like a guy who's made the edge and he's coming from behind him and then the pocket's collapsing and then cam jordan or cam oh <laughs> nuts and then cam irving is coming out of nowhere to fall on pat's ankles you know so it's just it <laughs> yeah um i actually have a stat for kyle to argue about who is the most important person on their team, right? Is it Aaron Rodgers because he has less players or Patrick Mahomes because he has more assets? There's a there's a stat that Next Gen uses called EPA, which is um, estimated points added. And Patrick Mahomes, estimated points added is 163. Rodgers is 150. Josh Allen is 89. So... If you use that stat, it's kind of like in basketball how they use that stat, estimated points added. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, even though he has all the people around him, the argument is still made that because we have Patrick Mahomes, he is attributing to it kind of like what Reese was saying. We had Alex Smith and you know Tyree Kill didn't look like the best tight end in the NFL. So hopefully he gets, I mean, there really is no argument unless we, unless Patrick plays the next two games, which he'll, he'll probably just play against the Falcons. He plays next two games and absolutely blows it. I think that that's the only way he doesn't get the NFL. Or there's some sob story that comes out about Aaron Rodgers. ESPN and Disney love it. They start running it and then we lose. It's true. You know it's true. A story is better than the stats. Always. Can you check a couple other of those EPA stats for me? Can yeah. you check like the other two quote unquote greats who play the same style as Aaron Rodgers, i.e. Tom Brady and Drew Brees? Uh, like, do you mean their current stats or? Well, I I actually don't have it. It's just the top. Uh, it, it it's an article from Next Gen Stats. It just gives you the top five people that have those EPAs. So Aaron Rodgers one fifty, uh, Josh Allen eighty nine, Russell. Wilson 83 and that's all it tells me got it yeah because I mean again like I said earlier I'm not stumping for Rodgers to win the MVP but I am saying that there's competition which I think those those stats right. would back that up a 13 point differential yeah. also keeping in mind that Rodgers is not a dual threat quarterback particularly um, he is in my money the greatest quarterback to play the style that people love on Tom Brady for Rodgers is who people thought Tom Brady might become in Tampa Bay, where you can plug and play him into a different situation. You know, you can't tell me that you don't copy-paste Aaron Rodgers onto that Tampa Bay team and they're suddenly three wins better than they are right now. They would, they, they would be. However, all that is not to say that Aaron Rodgers deserves the MVP. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that he's a great QB. Rodgers seems to be the evolutionary chain between the last generation of the statue and the pocket quarterbacks, a la Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and this new generation of mobile but not run first quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, all those guys. Like, if you had to make an evolutionary chain, Rodgers is that missing link right there. Now, subsequently, I know you're talking about the, uh, the adjusted point totals the players are yep. bringing. I want to go back to what I mentioned about the 2017 Chiefs. That was Alex Smith and the Chiefs' best year, arguably, with that, you know, core ensemble of the band. The Chiefs were ranking sixth in the NFL with just under 26 points per game. This year, which is 
probably about the average year for Patrick Mahomes so far, given his three years. They're averaging 31 points a game. They're averaging nearly a touchdown per game better with Patrick Mahomes at the helm than Aaron, uh, sorry, excuse me, than Alex Smith back then. And if we want to look at that, how many games have we won by a touchdown or less this year? Quite a few. So if you take Patrick Mahomes out of this equation, you, you plug in prime Alex Smith or someone like that, we're probably sitting at a record right now of closer to 11 and 4 and hoping we don't get squeezed out in the last weekend for the wild card. Totally fair. How's that value, State Farm? <laughs> Pretty good, and I actually want to touch on Kyle's point again. Um, Patrick Mahomes is the best version of Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes doesn't want to be a mobile quarterback. Patrick Mahomes wants to be a pocket passer. He just can't. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the offensive line to be like. Imagine, imagine we've never seen Patrick Mahomes with a good offensive line. I mean. Like, this is already the best off. I mean, just statistically, this is the best offensive in NFL history. And he has a C to sometimes C plus offensive line. Jeepers. Imagine him with a B offensive line. Like, I. I think going forward, once Brett Veach is able to and has the luxury to invest in the offensive line, and he has, right? We'll see what Lucas Niang holds next year. Um, if we have that, imagine Patrick Mahomes like, great, I can be a pocket passer. Like, that's what I am, guys. Like, yes, I can do all these these fancy things, but by trade, if you look at his Texas Tech stuff, like, dude's a pocket passer. I agree with you 100%, and I'm glad you brought that point up because I think the one thing keeping this Chiefs team from being considered an all-decade or potentially even like an all-time squad is the fact that that offensive line is just so bad that this offense is doing like an improv an improvisational version of what they want the offense to be. If you gave them a yep. league average offensive line and some time to throw, Pat's probably put up the better part of 43-plus touchdown passes this year given the way the team's been rolling, given the way the team only has one loss. And like you said, this is probably, you know, the best offense he's had while at the Chiefs. But if we go back to 2018, you know, we saw when he threw 50 touchdown passes and 5,000 yards, it wasn't like he had, you know, the Berlin wall to stand behind and throw, but he saw way more time to throw. He had an established Kareem Hunt running back that had to keep people, you know, honest. And that also gave him a larger, you know, pass protect blocker back there. When this dude has time to throw, it's going to be like surgical just pure surgical yeah it's going to be super scary i am so excited for that but i'm already excited i mean look as a chiefs fan all the all the shit that we've gone through throughout the years as a chiefs fan seeing this every single game is such an honor i'm oh man i'm just so i'm so in awe every single game i and i enjoy every moment i don't feel bad about any single moment that happens and everyone's like Ooh, the chiefs are so good yes and kansas city deserves it we deserve it love this okay moving on to the defense now before the game i guys i bought into the hype oh. armando armando really quickly i i just wish in my heart that i could carry with me every day the confidence with which you go from one segment to the next. <laughs> well, I don't have a, I, I, I didn't have a segue, so screw it, man. We're going next, next, next. <laughs> You've done like four of those today, and it's it's just beautiful, dude. It's motivational. I just Armando's like the second coming of Sage Steel of this. <laughs> He's like, okay, enough of your banter. Next thing, shut up. <laughs> uh friend of the podcast, Sage Steel. <laughs> Come review a beer, Sage. 
great. Let's, yep, yeah, let me do another hard, a hard stop. Uh, let's talk about the defense. So guys, I bought into the hype. Hot take Mondo, love the hot takes. This was gonna be the Super Bowl preview. I thought Drew Brees, even though he has 11 crack ribs, I thought he was gonna come out there, Drew Brees of old. I thought he was gonna, you know, have the 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 uh, Kyle confidence of coffee in his veins coming out there, super energetic. Boy, was I wrong. That dude looked bad. Now there was a few couple. I mean, there there was a couple passes where I was like, "That is Drew Brees." But come on. Like, if you're that good, of course you're going to have a couple of those. Most of the time did not look good. Don't let this stat line fool you. 234 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Let let this sink in. QBR of 23. That is the big story. I mean, guys, what did what did you see in Drew Brees that just, you know, that disappointed you? Like, that was disappointing. Even as a Chiefs fan, I wanted it to be a good match. I didn't want this to be, you know, dominating three-point win. And it looked bad. After this game, I was seeing a lot of Saints fans whining and complaining, saying, "Mm, just wait till Drew Brees is healthy and we get you in the Super Bowl. It won't even be close. (laughs) Here's the thing. Drew Brees is a 41-year-old man with more than half a dozen cracked ribs on him. He ain't going to get better. This is about the best you're going to see him. Unless you sit him for the next two weeks and hope you can make your way through the playoffs with him because he's going to get hit more than we hit him. And those ribs, mm, every time he gets up, they're just going to be a little bit more tender. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to be a 23 passer rating bad from here on out, but the, the, the cavalry's not coming. You know, this isn't us. This isn't like the Packers a few years ago waiting for Aaron Rodgers to come back off that collarbone injury where he's, what, he was 33 at the time? This is a 41-year-old man with injuries that would put a 23-year-old man down for good. So I was more worried that partway through this game, they were going to bench Drew Brees and bring in Taysom Hill and then suddenly would have to like completely re-game plan on defense and be playing on our feet. That's what I was worried about. Am I worried about playing Drew Brees again? No. Yeah, even, even with Michael Thomas, it's still the same Drew Brees, right? I think with Michael Thomas, it could have been a better game. I still don't think that the Saints would have won. But there was just, he just looked so sluggish out there. Very sluggish, even before he got hit. Like, he just looked like he was afraid. He was making some throws that were way under, or they were way over. Um, But of course, there were a couple plays that really brought him into the game. There was that touchdown that he had was actually, it was actually a very good touchdown. But not only did did Breeze look bad, but our defense looked good. And like I've said in the past, every single week, what is our defense? They are who the offense they are playing. If the offense is good, if this is a Super Bowl preview, the defense will show up. Our defense phones it in when it is a bad team. We're, we're probably going to phone it in against the Falcons. But they were they, they got their Michael Jordan juice from Space Jam. They all had a swig, and they're like, it's it's game time. But then for the Falcons game, they're going to be like, hey, so where are we going after the game? Y'all, y'all want to do a socially distant party at, at, uh, at KC Joe's? No? Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> but then for the Saints game, like, ah, it's bat game. Like, and that just makes me so mad, but we saw it. Our cornerbacks look great. Breeland looked fantastic. Sneed. Actually, Sneed always shows up. Shout out to Sneed for always showing up. And then, of course, our front four was great. Here's the thing, guys. I just want to offer a caveat because you guys just love drinking the Kool-Aid the last couple weeks. Yes, 
Breeze looked like a shade of his former self. And yes, this was technically, like you said, a somewhat dominant three-point win. But at the end of the day, what always happens in the playoffs, weird, fluky storylines happen in the playoffs. The Titans, like last year, what? And so the only thing I'll say is if by some crazy thread of like 2020 you know, karma, we wind up facing the Saints in the Super Bowl. We need to take nothing for granted. We need to win by three touchdowns instead of three points. So that's not saying that I think Drew Brees will have some kind of miraculous comeback, but I am saying weird stuff happens. I think that's fair. I think one thing Saints fans need to ask themselves, too, is they put 29 points up on us. You know, it wasn't like uh, they went out there and our defense played, you know, the game of their lives and held them to 17 points with Drew Brees looking like that. I don't care if you have healthy Drew Brees, you're not putting up much more than 29 points on our defense like that. So, you know, do I think we can put up 32 points on their defense again? Absolutely. Like Armando said earlier, there were people saying this game yeah. felt like a blowout. And, you know, there's a lot of games we've won close this year that have felt like blowouts where the final score isn't indicative of that. And that's the one thing I wish our defense would take care of. When it's a 10-point game with four and a half minutes left, it's like, guys... Can you just hold him to a field goal? Can you just make the one play that gives us a 10-point lead with, like, four minutes left so we don't have to sweat this out and hope that Patrick and gang can, like, convert a fourth and one or something like that? Because I'm, I'm not sure how much my heart can take of that. Yeah, going going back to Kyle's point, I, I, I definitely feel the only way that we can lose is if we underprepare for a team like a team that we've played already. Saints, like you said, also the Bills. Like if 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 we play the Bills in the AFC Championship game, there's a chance that our defense might be like, uh, this one's where let's phone it in. We we killed Josh Allen last time, and then it could be suspect. I'm starting to feel less like that now, more and more, because Snead is having more snaps, and now that Snead is there, that means Traverius isn't there. Remember, this 11 and 0 road win that everyone is talking about is impressive, but people have to understand we were only two blown Charvarius Ward plays away from being undefeated, right? Patrick Mahomes still had a huge game against the Raiders, right? It was a couple blown plays that really screwed us over. So this team is still great. Now that we kind of don't have to worry about that, knock on wood, that Sneed stays healthy, I really think it's, it. you know, hopefully we're not phoning in. Honey Badger just goes super sane, locked in, gets everybody locked in no matter what the game is going forward, even the Falcons game. Actually, this Falcons game is going to prove it to me. If we blow out the Falcons and we have a good defensive game, then I am no longer worried about our defense because the Falcons aren't good. I would say my kingdom for a linebacker. And that linebacker's name is Ben yeah. Neiman. Yep. Oh my goodness. Anything... Dumpsville... What killed me was the defense couldn't get that last stop to like put this game on ice with a double-digit lead. And both times, they picked on Neiman. That fourth down pass to Cooks, who was on him in coverage for some reason? Neiman. Who's missing assignments in the middle of the field when Alvin Kamara gets his big rushing touchdown? Neiman. It's at a certain point, I just feel like we have to put Willie Gay in. It's like, put some, give him all of his snaps... Because I would rather have somebody who leaves a hole in coverage and can make up for it than somebody who just leaves a hole in coverage, period. Yeah, so apparently um, 
Willie Gay's snaps from this game to the Dolphins game didn't increase. He had the exact same snaps. I don't know what's going on there. It could be something that we don't know that's going on because, yeah, on the field, athleticism looks great. If something's happening in practice, if he's not reading offenses, if if he's not understanding the defense's schemes, maybe something's going on there. But clearly something is wrong because Gay is incredibly more athletic than Neiman, um, but Neiman's getting more of the snaps. So that has to change now, tomorrow, today. It has to change today, but I don't know if it's going to. All right. Let's wrap it up. I've already kind of sneak previewed the, the Falcons game. I keep talking about it, but let's let's officially talk about it, boys. Give me give me your score and why it is that score. Chiefs Falcons this week. I'm gonna go uh, Chiefs by ten. I think this is a classic game where, uh, like you say, it's it's not a very exciting opponent, um, but at the same time, I think uh, with all the lessons we've learned this season, I'm sure. Andy and company will be doing their best to kind of fire us up and go into the postseason finishing strong and just know that it, you know, if we win out, then there's no doubt that we get the bye. Um, and I really think, I mean, obviously, I, I think this Atlanta squad is way more talented than their record. Uh, you know, they're literally a running joke now because of their ability to kind of, um, let wins slip through their fingers this season but you know they're a few plays away from being 500 um and so that means we just got to prepare to play the team as if they're an average nfl team even though the record looks like they're below average i think that's a fair assessment of this game as you mentioned i think atlanta's now become like the first team in nfl history to blow what is like five games with like a 90 percent or greater win probability which is asinine and you know who can turn on the points in a hurry oh right our boys what i'm hoping is that our team shows up the defense says hey guys if we win this game we can take the next few weeks off because they wouldn't have to play against the chargers they'd get that first round by and then hopefully they'd get a softer team to play in the first game of the playoffs so i really hope the team comes out treats us like a must win last game of the season so they can just rest up from there i'm gonna say they do that I'm going to say they don't want to leave it a chance against the Chargers, even with like a 99% chance to get that one seed. I'm going to go Chiefs 31, Falcons 26. Fair, yeah. And actually, the uh, the uh, Vegas line is 10.5, which I think is actually kind of kind of big especially considering we like we're winning these close games against the panthers and you know all these different ones Uh, i'm gonna say 35 to 21 though i think it's still a blowout um matt ryan will still turn it on look like it's still a good offense just like kyle was saying it's matt ryan it's calvin ridley it's julio jones three great players matt ryan even though you know he's hot and cold right now matt ryan can turn it on sometimes and with our suspect defense if they don't show up he's going to turn it on so we'll see what happens in this game it is i think you're right it should be considered a must win game for the team because health is the most important thing going into the playoffs having that bye week you know not worrying about that chargers game i mean gosh two weeks rest before we play someone in the playoffs like oh like who 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 needs that kelsey needs that mahomes needs that our entire offensive line needs that ben neiman needs that ben ben (laughs) neiman needs his whatever injections to to get going in the morning um trivarius ward needs that so must win 
because yeah these these dudes need to break and of course people that have the buy come out guns blazing and i'm not worried about any fatigue or any like you know non-game fatigue with this chiefs team because they're just so locked in it's a playoff we're we are a championship team we're gonna be fine and we need that buy especially with the murderers row the afc playoff picture is really looking like Who's even good anymore? I, I'm serious. That's the thing is they're all good. No one's great, but they're all like tricky and difficult and good. Yeah. It's like they're, it's they're like the assassins the, like, and Kill Titans. Bill. They all do something. This is the most uh, 2020 NFL season possible. It really is. So true. And 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 the Chiefs are having an anti-2020 season. Like the Chiefs look like the undefeated Patriots and there is no competition. But hopefully that Giants, you know, Eli Manning doesn't pop out of nowhere. <laughs> you mean Drew Locke? Ah! Ah! <laughs> Drew Locke gets released and then signed by the Bills. <laughs> Bench Josh Allen. Drew Locke has a game of his life. <laughs>